Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. All right, let's do it. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. It's a whole lot to get to. Inflation, of course, people are talking about it. Mm-hmm. And especially with the reports that we've heard this week, it's really a topic of conversation now. With the midterms coming up, terrible time this could happen now for the Democrats. Oh, goodness. I know the president's fighting that message, but, you know, I have a little bit of good news. Even on the Today Show on NBC, there was a little bit of honesty. Oh, yeah? I thought so because they were saying, hey, man, th- th- it's bad. It's all the way around. I mean, as far as it is, prices yes, on everything. It is, yes. Um, but as I'm watching it, I was slightly frustrated. And maybe it's just ah, me. me. Too. I know what you mean. Okay, yeah. Maybe. No, it's not just you. And I'll roll it out. So you've heard this. David, you have not. I'm I, waiting for your no, reaction. Okay. Are we looking at a real possibility that we could be headed for a recession because the Fed keeps hiking rates so aggressively? <laughs> Durr! Maybe. Well, I don't know. Well, technically, we we are in a recession. And then the other thing is, is why do you think that the Fed is raising interest rates so much? It is a controlled recession. That's the idea is that the whole idea is to drive the car into the ditch instead of going over the cliff. That's what the Fed is doing. And the criticism is they didn't do it soon enough. And that's why part of the reason why we're in the mess we're in right now. Okay, so they bring their expert in. Whenever the Fed is raising rates, Hmm. the specter of a recession is always present. But if we're heading into a a recession, it'll be the weirdest downturn that many of us have ever seen. That's because the job market is still strong. Unemployment sitting at a more than 50-year low of 3.5%. Okay, are you getting any frustration yet? Yeah, I mean, well, it's hello, Captain Obvious. Yeah, it's it's a unique set of circumstances. You're not talking about a shell game on Wall Street. You know, you're not talking about basic market fundamentals out of whack. Uh, that would be more predictable. It is very, uh, this is a very unique situation given right now the state of the global economy with, you know, China is still pursu- pursuing the zero COVID policy and that's interrupting the supply chain. War in Ukraine is, of course, contributing to this. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, at the end of the day, it's not all that surprising because, well, our government decided to make the money printer go brrrr and (laughs) sent out a bunch of unearned cash into the market. When we were recovering after the pandemic. Yeah. That's what charged this. But it's just such a head scratcher. That's what they're telling us. You know, the Fed's target for inflation is 2%. We're at 8.2% right now. So they've got a lot of work to do. When will they get it under control? It could be 12 months in total. In other words, come next spring. Okay, that's some honesty there from what we've heard. Could be longer. We simply don't know. This economy is a head-scratcher for many economists. (laughs) It's not a head-scratcher, though. No, it's not. I mean, it's right now there are a lot of economists who are playing, you know, uh, Captain, I told you so. And there are a lot yes. of not even professional economists. I mean, three idiots on the radio on this program said, yeah, this is a bad idea when you're talking about the American Rescue Plan print is sending out like $2 trillion. Yeah, that was a problem. Um, so it doesn't take an expert to figure out how we got here. Now, the head-scratching thing is how do you get out of it? And to me, the only thing the president can really do is to 
go on a deregulation spree of oil and gas and and just pump up American energy as much as possible to get fuel costs down. That will eventually bring down the cost of everything else. Not not to the point where it was maybe two years ago, but it'll it'll help a lot. Yeah. I suppose like just writing blank checks to the Ukraine maybe should maybe should be analyzed more. Yeah. Well is it safe to say if you're an economist and a supposed expert, maybe you should find something else to do if you're scratching your head trying to figure out how we're in this situation? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, but apparently, even though it was the big spending from the left that got us to this point, if Republicans are voted in in the midterms, they're going to make it worse. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> he had an event in California yesterday and talked a little bit about the inflation report. And he says, you know, inflation is going to get worse if Republicans win in the midterm elections. All right. That means they're going to repeal the $2,000 cap on prescription drugs. Gone. Here we go again. Cap on insulin. Gone. At 35 bucks. Savings on health care premiums. Average of $400 a person. Gone. Savings on your utility bills. Gone. What? Republican wins. Inflation is going to get worse. Yeah, what? It's that simple. Utility bills. What savings on utility bills? Because unless I'm doing something wrong, my utility bills have basically doubled. Yes. Everybody's have. So everybody. it's not just me. It's not an accounting error no, 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 in the Van no, Camp no, household. Not, no, okay. it's not. No, everybody. We're all feeling that, of course. No, it's just, no, who's going to hold me accountable? I'm just going to say whatever. When I go out and overpay for my prescription drugs, I've got to come back to a hot <laughs> house because I can't run the air conditioning because I can't afford it. <laughs> a lot of nonsense. Oh, yeah. Um, and Nancy Pelosi is saying what? Oh. At the same time? Is this well, on the same topic? No, no. Uh, th- this is from the January 6th committee. Oh, that's uh, also a big story out there. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Did you know democracy almost fell? No, it I've, didn't. I've heard that. No, no it didn't. Uh, now, they accidentally made great comedy during their hearing yesterday. And I mean this sincerely. I appreciate the content because it had me rolling and laughing out loud. Uh, they pieced together this overly dramatic, <clears throat> excuse me, seven-minute video of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer as they were supposedly coordinating a law enforcement response to the riot at the Capitol last year <gasps> when democracy almost fell. Now, the footage was actually captured and put together by Nancy Pelosi's daughter, who's a documentary filmmaker. What was she doing there? She was the special guest of the House Speaker. Just oh. happened to have her camera and everything ready to roll. Weird, huh? Well, yeah, because Nancy could have brought in reinforcement like a few days ahead of time. She didn't want to. She heard the reports that this could happen, but didn't want to do anything about it. So a good time to, hey, daughter, grab that camera. We're going to make us a doc. Which isn't, isn't that just the, the most perfect career choice for Nancy Pelosi's daughter? She's a documentary filmmaker. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there are great artists who do that for a living and have made a living from yeah. nothing out of that. But Mm -hmm. also, every rich kid wants to be a filmmaker. Yeah. And they wind (laughs) up doing it. There's a lot of them. Because mom and dad will buy them the camera and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, oh, yeah, okay, this this blue blood rich liberal from San Francisco, of course, is going to be a filmmaker. I just laugh out loud. I didn't know that was her profession. but Every family member in the lineage somehow has a model. Right. Rapper and filmmaker. Right, exactly. <laughs> They're all there. 
Well, especially like you said, man, uh, the documentary maker, you know, it's man, I'm full of this guilt because I don't deserve anything. So I want to appear right. that I'm I'm all about the downtrodden exactly. and exactly. less fortunate. I don't want to hang with those freaking people. Oh, no, <laughs> ever. But I want to I want to appear like I'm really fighting for I just, them. I just want to be their Jane Goodall. OK, <laughs> yes. just observe them and then leave. OK, <laughs> don't touch me. Pick ticks off of them. Yeah. <laughs> she was obsessively using Purell before it was cool. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, so anyway, I, there's a shortened version of it, and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer just look like they are acting. They look, they look like they are reading lines from a script. And part of this is visual. That's why I've shortened it down to like the key moments for the audio version of this. Okay. I'm going to call up the effing secretary of DOD. All right, I'm I'm stopping right there. I'm sorry. When, if you had to guess, how many times Chuck Schumer, behind closed doors, in a serious situation, has said effing instead of the real word? Oh, yeah. I don't buy that for a second. Are you kidding me? Concerned we have about uh, personal safety. Yeah, why don't you get the president to tell them to leave the Capitol, Mr. Attorney General? It could take time uh, to clean up the poo-poo that they're making all over the, literally and figuratively, in the Capitol. The poo-poo. Yes, because somebody had defecated in the hallway. (laughs) She's from San Francisco. Yeah. Right, that's she used to that. She's like, hmm, smells like home. <laughs> home exactly. <laughs> someone, someone baking sourdough? What's going on yeah. here? <laughs> no, yeah. but, but if you notice on the, on the visual side of it, uh, you've got both Nancy Pelosi, and it's more pronounced in Chuck Schumer, as they are being filmed, talking tough. I love the line where he says, Mr. Attorney General, to make it clear that he's talking to the Attorney, the Attorney General, General. Right? Yeah. Because if you really were in fear of your life, you wouldn't say Mr. Attorney General. You'd be like, dude, we got to get this done. What was this guy's name? I forget now who the acting attorney general at the time was. But, um, you know, you'd be like, hey, Jeff, come on. Let's let let's figure something out here. If you were really in fear of your life, these people. Absolutely. They're they're hey, This is serious, man. Yeah. There are people trying to get in here right now. Yeah. It wouldn't be. Yeah, why don't you get the president to tell them to leave the Capitol, Mr. Attorney General? <laughs> Looks at the camera, Mr. <laughs> Attorney General, who I'm speaking with on the phone right now. And Line! Then, Line! I, Mr. <laughs> Attorney General. Line. I noticed there was one scene where they're all kind of sitting around and they're trying to act like this is the situation room or whatever. You know, they're they're trying to act like things are all, all hell is breaking loose in their world. And someone has a box of Triscuits on the counter. And I'm sorry, but... Triscuits? Right. Okay. Has there ever been a coup where somebody is sheltering in fear of their lives and said, anybody got that box of Triscuits? Let's bring the Triscuits out, because that'll solve it. Well, you know, that was a product placement, don't you? <laughs> right. They had paid for the whole thing. They, they paid to be on there. Right. Nancy Pelosi's daughter's making moves, man. Yep. <laughs> I'm just oh, waiting for Chuck Schumer to be like, tell them to call yeah. off the mob, Mr. Attorney General. <laughs> oh, takes a sip of a Pepsi can. Right. That's refreshing. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll get to it later. Nancy's saying, I want to punch the president. Oh, yeah. You feeble old dag. Your wrist will shatter. Are you sure you're not punching anybody? Shut up. Okay. Oh, we got to get to this story. The climate change 
crazies. Yeah. He tried to ruin a Van Gogh painting. Like, what's that thing worth? Millions of dollars. Yeah, it's some loser with this climate change cult group called Just Stop Oil threw a can of soup on Van Gogh's sunflower paintings. Very yeah, famous wait. painting. Uh, this happened in the UK where it's housed. Uh, these two young women threw the soup and then glued themselves to the wall. <laughs> and luckily, <laughs> the painting was behind protective glass. But here's one of the ladies saying okay. why they were doing this. All right. What is worth more, art or life? Is it worth more than food? Worth more than justice? Are you more concerned about the protection of a painting or the protection of our planet and people? The cost of living... Okay, golly. Listen, you naive little brat. You don't have any idea how the world works. All right? We're going to publicly cane you now and get out of here and don't show your face again until you learn some respect. You have no idea what you're even saying. The cost of living crisis is part of the cost of oil crisis. Oh, here we go. Fuel is unaffordable to millions of cold, hungry families. They can't even afford to heat a tin of soup. Yeah. So the answer is to cut off all oil. Okay. That's a galaxy brain opinion, isn't it? And how many people die then? Right. All of them. Because she has no idea. That's just it. That's what happens when you don't spank a kid when they're little. (laughs) They're little brats. They grow up to be like that. Golly, man. guessing she's available this weekend. (laughs) Either They they either become that or a documentary filmmaker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Supermodel or rapper. Oh, gosh. Um, Did you hear the Army is reportedly changing the controversial body fat test? We'll get to that and much more coming up right here. The Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Not a whole lot of coverage on this. Interesting. Um, the WHO, who I think a lot of us lost faith in a long time ago, they're still out there. It seems like a lot of people on the left still care what they have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, their panel of vaccine experts uh, decided to, well, not recommend any Omicron booster sort of vaccine shot because the data just doesn't back it up. Well, it was tested on mice, though. That's not how we approach this in the United States. <laughs> they it seems like it's mice. convenient yeah. to large mice. Yeah. follow the WHO yeah. when it's what we want to hear. But if not, then we just, uh, well, our own experts said something different. Right. Really interesting. Hey, do you remember the name Dr. Scott Gottlieb? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Former yeah. FDA administrator. He was all over the TV. Yes. Yep. Also a senior board member of Pfizer. I did not know that. Yes. He moved over there after leaving the government. Yes. Of course he did. But he was one of the experts on TV all the time. Yes. Um, He's going to be getting sued. Good. um, Along with Pfizer from Alex Berenson. Really? Remember Alex Berenson? Yeah. Used to work at the failing New York Times. He had spoken out about COVID, the vaccines, all that. Got booted off of Twitter. You know, canceled in some ways. And then he had to be reinstated because the things he'd said on Twitter that got him kicked off turned out to be true, mm-hmm. like a lot of people. Um, 
and he just got the information, and he's got the receipts, that Scott Gottlieb secretly pressed Twitter to censor Alex Berenson just days before Twitter suspended him. I mean, you're looking at, you know, defamation of character, all these different things, man. All this stuff is going to come out. And you know, Pfizer made $70 billion on the vaccines. Holy smokes, man. And you think about it right now as people, you know, some people are still getting boosted and all that. I'm not saying don't do it. But the mandates that are still in place, you still can't come to the United States unless you have the vaccine. Or unless you, go through, the, unless you go through the southern border. Well, yeah. In which case, that's fine. Absolutely. Because those people are seeking asylum. Yes. <laughs> Every single one, you know. That's nuts, man. Um, and, you know, you can say, all right, what is the reason right now switching gears to just a low recruitment level when it comes to our armed forces? Did that have to do with anything with the pandemic? Was it because of the vaccine mandates? I think it has something to do with it, yeah. Is it because of the wokeness? I think it has something on? to do with it. I think and it has also, to do with the fact that every there's openings everywhere. Well, and a, and a uh, public education system that teaches people that America is not special or worth defending. That's true, too. Good call. Well, you know, also, and we know this from studies, Americans have gotten bigger. That's not in a good way. I'm not talking about big mm-hmm. and strong. We're talking about just, well, yeah. overweight. Uh, the Army reportedly changing the body fat test. A lot of people are thinking about Stripes, the early right, 80s movie. I just thought of that same thing. <laughs> Come out of here, a lean, mean, fight machine. All right. Um, per military.com, soldiers who score at least 540 on the Army Combat Fitness Test, or ACFT, will be exempt from had, having their body fat measured. Now, the best you can do on that test is 600, but they're saying, okay, if you're saying you're all overweight, right. but you can do all this stuff, all right, well, then you don't have to have that test. So we'll wait and see if some of the larger, huskier people make it through. Yeah, the goose squad. <laughs> Don't mess with those guys. The Goose Squad. I remember being a bench former in basketball, we were known as the Zoo Squad because we would always chuck it up in garbage time. The Goose Squad, that's great. Wait till you hear what the governor of New York has to say. Next. Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley, Gen Xer. The sexy millennial David Van Camp, the crusty boomer Scott Robin. Oh man, I went from sexy to crusty I'm just like joking. that. Just want to make sure you're paying attention. You've already branded me. You are the sexy boomer. That's what I get asked all the time. Are you the sexy boomer? The governor of New York, not the sexy governor. More like the plastic governor. Oh gosh. I whatever i know i don't need to talk about it it doesn't matter what she looks like it just looks like this person from westworld or something no, like it's a robot. next to a radiator she'd melt to me that kind to, of thing yes to me okay. it's more like what happens when you put a barbie doll in a microwave 
<laughs> oh my! Oh, wow! <laughs> I thought what I said was out of line. No. Already asking for forgiveness. That's a hot one right there. Why David. do you bring up her looks? Is that so uh, important? You shoving mm-hmm. these bastards? <laughs> I think it's because I don't think she's a very good person, based on her track record. No, no, she's not. And what she's done for the people of New York. But th- she said something that was a little jaw dropping to people. Oh yeah. So uh, she talked about President Biden not doing his job with the migrant crisis because New York has been handed thousands of migrants courtesy of the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott. And now suddenly they're like, well, we didn't have any advance warning. I know we say we're New York tough, but this is hard. (laughs) Aw, not fair. Uh, So she says that uh, the, the White House isn't getting back to her. Um, and so what she said during uh, uh, a little press conference in Manhattan, quote, we are really are we really are looking for a federal response to this to take ownership of a crisis and we'll be there to help. But this belongs to the federal government. <laughs> we want oh, the federal. She, uh, she didn't get the memo. She can't say that. Right. That's off script well, there, Hokel. Mm-hmm. No, but but yeah, I know she said that. The state is a sanctuary state, and, you know, they, they were all on board with this. Yeah. So show some of that New York toughness. Well, I just, honestly, I like the fact that she's at least saying, hey, okay, maybe I've wised up a little bit, all right? This isn't Abbott's fault. They can't deal with it there either. I don't think she's going to come out and say that. No. They can't deal with it in any of the border states okay it's too much we got to do something about it joe biden but of course of course she hasn't heard back from the white house because everything is according to plan at the white house they want open borders Um, the border the border is secure yeah there's mayorkas yeah dorcas director of homeland security who we find out this week not a huge surprise i guess but this is it is terrible that he knew that the whole whipping incident was a hoax, yet he went out in front of the American people after he knew it and was playing the race card, this history of white supremacy, blah, blah, blah. It was disgusting. And he totally threw the Border Patrol agents under the bus. Oh, yeah, totally. Knowing they didn't whip anybody. That's disgusting, man. An awful human being. Still got his job, too, by the way. Because he's doing exactly what they want. That's right. Golly. Happy to see this story. There's been a lot of talk about the the whole trans activist nonsense and how it's affecting teens. And one of the first hospitals that people were talking about was the Boston Children's Hospital and the pediatric gender clinic there. Well, the director has admitted that puberty blockers do cause infertility and are given out to children like candy God, to a skyrocketing number of new patients. And this was in a video conference. Saw this story at Daily Wire, who's done a great job exposing this stuff. Matt Walsh, other people. Dr. Jeremy Carswell, pediatric uh, and current director of the hospital gender management service spoke on the permanent loss of fertility and unregulated frequency at which puberty-blocking drugs are administered to kids. And that was at the 2020 Advancing Excellence in Transgender Health Conference. 
And as we know from the videos uncovered from Vanderbilt, this is big business. Millions and millions of dollars. That's why a lot of these have popped up, you know, all over the place. Carswell said, this is probably no surprise to anybody um, or to everybody who is listening. The number of adolescents who have been coming into gender programs over the last several years has kind of skyrocketed. This is a worldwide phenomenon, and we're not really quite sure what the story is behind that. But we do know that a lot of people have been uh, presenting gender dysphoria, mostly assigned females. And I just saw another story of was a girl that was confused and thought she was a boy and went ahead and started with the puberty blockers and then taking testosterone. And now she knows what a mistake it was. And so she is back to identifying as a female. Mm-hmm. She shaved her head because that's what happens you lose your hair when you take testosterone a lot of females will lose their hair and her voice is deep and she's saying and there's there's nothing i can do about it and it's you know i'm in this awful situation and so as you know she's putting out this heartfelt message it's almost like a warning to people the trans activists just pile on horrible things said about this person and then they keep calling her the guy's name that she took. So is that double dead naming somebody? That's, yeah, that's like a that's a double stuffed Oreo of dead naming, isn't it? Uh, it seems like it. Awful people. Jeez. Shake well, your head, man. You know what though, man? I, I think it's very similar to uh, drug addicts when one of their friends becomes sober. Yeah, dude. The drug addicts will think, oh, you think you're too good for us or whatever. You just don't like us anymore. And and they can be harsh. And that's one of the reasons why if you're in recovery, you kind of sever ties with those people because they'll just drag you back down. Yep. And that's true. The dangerous thing right now is that the people who are in that, you know, in the trans activist class actually have real political power. Unlike, you know, uh, a meth head or or a heroin addict, you know, they don't, you know, they don't, there's no union that that is coming and and able to sway public policy from the, uh, from the heroin addict crowd. No, Um, those people need support. Yeah. I mean, from all of us. So it's going to be all right. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, who knows, man, if this social contagion had been around, you know, decades ago how many people would have fallen for it you know i mean it's not easy going through puberty for a lot of people and then you have this whole group of people trying to convince you of something it's it's just freaking evil and also the peer pressure involved oh yeah i mean and then there's acceptance it's all those things that a kid is craving and and then you're you know these are life decisions this is stuff that i mean it's irreversible and you're letting a kid at 15 make these decisions? I yeah. still can't comprehend we're having these conversations. I, I really can't. I, it's wild. I can't. I just can't wrap my head around it at all. No. And now, different story, but David, you have some audio of a mom reading a graphic book? Oh, yeah. Th- this is wild. A mom got up at a school board meeting to talk about a book that's on the recommended reading list for 7th graders. 7th grade? 7th graders, yeah. Okay. And, and I'll, I just want to warn you, I mean, it, it is graphic. Um, but this is, I think it's important to hear what this mom has to say because you got all these, you know, 
teachers and union officials and Democrats out there saying there are people trying to ban books. You know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. this is not just a story about a kid who happens to be gay. I mean, there what you'll hear here is a graphic uh, description and a how to guide for very graphic. Well, sexual themes, I would say. Okay, roll it. I'm going to read from Chapter 9, The Ins and Outs of Gay Sex, starting at page 201, Part 1, Boy on Boy Sex. Something they don't teach you in school is that in order to be able to c*** at all, you or your partner may need to finish off with a handy. Oh, my God. A lot of people find it hard to c*** through other types of sex. A good handy is all about the wrist action. A bad handy is grasping a and shaking it like a ketchup bottle. Holy cow. Oh, man. Dude. Oh, Robbins is very uncomfortable. Oh my God! Breathe deep. You're gonna have a now. I know heart. Okay. Now look. Holy I, cow, man! I'm sure that, like you guys, like me, like a lot of people listening right now who are adults, are are sitting here thinking, "Man, I can't believe that that just got played on the radio." That is recommended reading for seventh graders in a school district. <sighs> yes. Point well taken, man. Because, yeah, and I've mentioned it before, there are a lot of times one of us will have audio, you don't want the other two guys to hear it yeah. because you want a real reaction. Whoo, buddy. Man. Okay. I, yeah. There's a million things going through my well, mind. So, yeah. unfiltered. Well, i got to filter it a little so we don't get booted. All right. We all know that, okay, is not appropriate for seventh graders. And honestly, it's not appropriate, as far as I'm concerned, in in any school at any age through high school. Right. Why no. would you need that to teach kids what they need to know to go out into the real world? That's not your job to even talk about things like that, in my opinion. The second question I have is, why? And, and maybe it's not. Maybe you don't know the answer to this. Maybe you do. When we hear these books read like this, okay, it's always gay sex. I don't ever hear about, and girl do this to the guy, or guy do this to the girl. Has it ever happened in any of these examples? Because if it has, I haven't heard it. Yeah, sometimes uh, there are some materials that are given. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, generally, the most graphic ones tend to be, what do they call it? They call it LGBTQ-themed books. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's, how, that's how, like, CNN will call it, to, make, to give the listener or the viewer the impression that, oh, it's just a bunch of homophobes who don't want that in the schools. Every single board member or every single teacher who signed off on this fired resignation tomorrow or i fire you your choice you can't be here anymore you're out yeah done i I, we're done with you you can call me uh, puritanical you can call me whatever you want to call me whatever you want to do this is not appropriate for seventh grade students period the end and it doesn't get out of my sight point i'm making is this whether it's a boy and a girl Two boys, whatever. No, it's, got, it's not appropriate. It's got nothing to do with sex. Yeah, I the think sex it, of the person, no. But I think it does speak to the LGBTQ. 
the activist the, the, crowd that well, infiltrate this sort of thing? Dude, they're trying to get to the kids. It's obvious. I That's just part of it. Can't understand why well, anybody yeah. would go. Yeah, this is perfect. Well, yeah. I mean, I I, I had this conversation with uh, someone I know who is more liberal, who uh, is in the education field, and we were talking about you know Republicans banning books and all that stuff. And I showed this person a, a few examples of what has been uncovered, and I said, okay, read this passage. Mm-hmm. If a man at Walmart walked up to your kid and yeah. handed him. A piece of paper that had this passage written on it. Would you be fine with that? Well, no. Why? Well, because it seems like he's trying to do something to my kid. Right. Yeah, that's what parents have a problem with. Yeah. Stop grooming, freaks. Right. I mean, you people look for a deeper answer here. I mean, I think in some cases, uh, when you look at the movement that 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 is going through the school districts uh, all over the country, it's 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 no more complicated than some of these people are evil and they want to diddle your kids. Yeah. I mean, the agenda is to get to the kids. You see it over and over again. Yep. Oh, yes, family-friendly, drag queen, you know, gyrating in front of kids. Why do you want to sexualize kids, you freaks? Stop. It's that simple, man. And they had to queer a ween somewhere. Did you see that story? At a school, they had to drag, drag people come in and dance and do that stuff, sponsored by a gender reassignment Surgery yes. center. Yeah. Oh, Beautiful. yeah. We'll probably get Let's to that monetize later. it now. Um, okay, there's something else we got to get to. Totally switching gears. No one would actually say this in a debate, right? I will never stop standing up for Big Pharma and standing against my constituents. <laughs> Thank you, man. No one would ever say that, right? <laughs> would think Except not. somebody did. No, they did. Yes, they did. Oh, my well, you just gosh. heard it. Holy cow. <laughs> we will get to the story behind that. Well, you could say I will never stop standing up for Big Pharma. At least they're up. That much more coming up right here. All right, the Markley Van Camp and Robbins show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. You know, a lot of people are calling this a gaffe. I think it's a moment of honesty. That's the way I look at it. Democratic Rep Angie Craig running for her third term representing Minnesota's 2nd Congressional District. Had a debate yesterday morning against Republican challenger Tyler Kistner. And that's when she offered this up. I will never stop standing up for Big Pharma and standing against my constituents. Thank you, Ann. Well, that's just throwing BP, isn't it? She didn't mean to say it that way. You know what she meant. I didn't know what she meant. I know. Am I to take her to, to believe what she said she meant? But yes, don't take what she said right there. It's interesting because many times... We've talked on the show about someone that's obviously lying, and to me, not proven, just a theory, that something on the inside of that person knows they're lying so much that they get into this, they have a hard time getting it out. She said that with such conviction. I will never stop standing up for Big Pharma 
and Thank standing you. against my constituents. There's your ad. Game yeah, over. They said, yeah, definitely going to be an ad. Uh, by the way, um, now the the challenger, the Republican, the vet of the Marine Corps served four overseas tours. He's criticized Craig for previously calling for defunding of police departments. Okay. And you've got that woman, Angie Craig, trying to pin uh, the challenger as, well, you're pro-life and you're pro-Trump and you're pro-guns. Now you get up here and pretend to be the boy next door, but you're too extreme for Minnesota 2nd District. Really? Pro-life? Pro-guns? That's extreme now? Yeah. Okay. I will never stop standing up for Big Pharma. (laughs) This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Good. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. You know, sometimes the statements made, you were made for a time such as this. Mm-hmm. And this time was made for Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's, what, that's what Joe says, at least. Yeah, I can't even finish that. Yeah, Joe Biden had an event in California yesterday, talked a little bit about the inflation report. And apparently, historically high inflation is why he ran for president, even though historically high inflation didn't start until after he became president so he ran to bring it yeah i, I success. guess success yeah success I, joe yes. before i begin let me say a few words quickly about today's report on inflation yeah americans are squeezed by the cost of living it's been true for years and folks don't need to be a report to tell them they're being squeezed hmm. fighting this battle every day is a key reason why i ran for president of the united states key reason I thought it was the Charlottesville hoax. Yeah, the tiki torches. But again, man, maybe this actually backs up my theory that he's not senile. He's actually an accidental time traveler. Uh, yes. Because he didn't realize that he was, uh, he, you know, basically he just came back from like 2032 when inflation was really out of control. And he said, okay, if I get a chance, I'm going to run for president to try to head this thing off. Got it. Okay. Well... I understand the time traveler theory. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe another theory would be, you know how those dopes that are on like a volunteer fire department start a fire so they can be the hero and come in and put out the fire? Is yeah. that what Joe's yeah. done with inflation? He ran because he wanted to fight it, but there wasn't any, so he created it? Chausen syndrome. Yes. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We're just, you know, well, we're I, idea you, people trying to figure here. it out. Yeah, well, you try to figure this out. Okay. <laughs> Okay, the bet is he's not going to be president come February. Yeah. We'll see if it happens mm-hmm. because he's going to get his marching orders once the midterms are done. I don't know why anyone's having him come out and talk about anything right now, to be honest. He is a liability, not a help for the party, but yeah. keep doing what you're doing. Is he campaigning for anyone? Yeah, well, he's doing a fundraiser in Oregon. Okay. 
Which, I guess if you're behind closed doors, right? Well, I, look, I, I assume he's going to be doing some public speeches. The details are a little sketchy right now. But, uh, I, you know, again, when you got a situation where a Republican is actually leading in the governor's race, Christine Drazen is, is leading. Right. Uh, according to 538's aggregate poll, that is like the average of all the, all the polls combined, I don't know why anyone would want Joe Biden to come and speak exactly. for them. Exactly. I don't either. Because no. that's, that's some dead weight there. Yeah. I want to make sure we lose. Right. Well, real quick before we move on, I don't know if you'd heard this, but, you know, there's nine counties in eastern Oregon have already indicated they would support redrawing Oregon's borders. We'd like to be a part of Idaho. Because the far left... From the left side of the state, they're like, oh, we'd like to just get out of there if possible. Well, I mean, they're not the only state that's done that. I mean, Illinois wanted to go southern and northern for quite a while now, split into two states. Bringing Biden there, I don't think is going to help in that. <laughs> no, no. no. Want to bring it all together. But anyway, no. um, you know, we should take a moment uh, and again, just reflect on January 6th when America almost fell and just be happy uh, that we still have a country. Uh-huh. You want to take a minute to reflect? Yeah. Well, that's what legacy media is kind of telling us. Yeah, yeah, well, at a time when nuclear war is a possibility and Americans are dealing with historic inflation, we're in a recession technically, and we're being invaded at our southern border. National media is spending most of its time talking about the Capitol riot from more than a year ago. Yes, uh, they are. So the, that stupid January 6th committee had a hearing yesterday and dropped bombshell after bombshell. Here's a roundup of the coverage. History made in Washington. From the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th assault on the Capitol. The bipartisan House January 6th committee voted unanimously yesterday to subpoena former President Donald Trump. And showed a new video of Speaker Nancy Pelosi fleeing to safety. The terror of the day, unvarnished, unfiltered. And perhaps it's worthy of an entire new investigation. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's it, Chuck Todd. There you go. Trying to save your job. Take your marching <clears throat> orders. I was like John Carl out there saying yeah. something like saying uh, uh unvarnished, unfiltered. It was literally pieced together by someone who claims to be a documentary filmmaker who is also the daughter of the speaker of the house. Dude, you can't make that up. And we're supposed to believe that? <laughs> right. From the audio that we had earlier mm-hmm. of Nancy and Schumer, all of that, we're supposed to take that as they feared for their lives? Really? Apparently. Does that look to you seriously like someone? Uh, man, it's just that they are so cool under pressure that they knew how to deal with this situation. My gosh, man. I don't. I don't hardly think so. All right, we should probably play that again. Yeah, well, I think we should. Okay. No, okay. Yeah. All right, just mm-hmm. listen. Yeah, why don't you get the president to tell them to leave the Capitol, Mr. Attorney General? We could take time uh, to clean up the poo-poo that they're making all over them, literally and figuratively, in the Capitol. We're right. fearing for our lives. I'm going to call up the effing secretary of DOD. The concern we have about uh, personal... Safety. Safety. Line. And the whole time, Chuck Schumer is looking at the camera and 
you know, when he when it's like his turn to speak, I'm going to make my point. Mr. Attorney General, who I'm on the phone with speaking to right now, being a tough guy, and I still can't get over this, and maybe it's just kind of ridiculous. I don't know. You tell me. I cannot get over how they're all sitting around apparently in fear of their lives because a literal coup that's on par with September 11th and the Pearl Harbor attacks. And someone's got a box of freaking Triscuits out. <laughs> well, like who's like the Triscuit part of the story is it's, fantastic. Our, it's, product, <laughs> it's, product, it's product placement, David. <laughs> they got, seriously, though, they're all sitting around yeah. the table like it's the Situation Room. And it's like you got these all these geriatric morons in, in, in the room talking about this. And I'm sorry, but if I'm hunkered down and I think there's a good chance America is going to fall, that this is an all-out coup and I might get killed. If somebody yes. finds me, I'm not feeling a little peckish, <laughs> a little trisket, a little nibble. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't want to die on an empty stomach. No. <laughs> if America's going to fall, I'm going to enjoy some triscuits. Are you kidding me? I mean, do you have any of that cheese in a can to oh, yeah. <laughs> spread on that Triscuit? Because dry, man, that thing, yeah, you're going to need something to wash that down. They they did actually forego on the spreads and cheeses and, and, mm. and salted meats, at least in this case. Okay. The other question that I have is, so we're to believe through everything with January 6th that all of a sudden it's now that we see this video that Pelosi's daughter has had, obviously, since January 6th. Why would you hold on to that until now? Yeah. No, see, these people were fearing for their lives. I have. This was the reaction, you know, in real time. Yeah. We're not going to release that? No, because it's because they know it doesn't work. They had to massage the video and everything, and they, they needed their se- season finale. I mean, honestly, this is one of the most hilarious things uh, about this entire debacle is they're they're making it seem like Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi were like getting ready to storm the beaches of Normandy or something, you know, and I don't know if you saw this. It's in, maybe it's just in the director's cut of Saving Private Ryan where Tom <laughs> yeah. Hanks has a box of Triscuits under his arm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> hey, I know that you're holding your intestines in your hands, but would you like a cracker? Part five of the insurrection brought to you by Merck. <laughs> Band of brothers. Do you have a Triscuit? <laughs> Before well, the insurrection, it, Nancy uh... Pelosi was wearing Donna Karen. <laughs> as long as it wasn't red meat. We can't have that. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. No. Which I am transitioning to a story about red meat. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's an alternative and people love it. You know this. Well. Well, yeah, I know that. We've been told time and time again, sometimes not only just as good, but better than real meat is what, David? Beyond meat. You know, every every uh, fast food, it's this like, it's like a vegetarian patty. And mm. it was a yeah. gimmick. I mean, ev- almost every fast food burger joint has a Beyond patty burger that you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Beyond Meat is now going to be cutting about 20% of its workforce. Uh, they announced that today because, well, they're not making any money. The people don't like the the novelty of it. Really boosted that company, mm-hmm. and I admit I was part of it. I I was like, I want to try it because you know I I do like some veggie burgers occasionally. Not when I want a burger, but uh, sometimes I just kind of want a veggie burger or a black bean burger or something like that. So I was like, yeah, I'll try it. Not very What's wrong good. With you? What? What's wrong with you? No, I, I listen. I just took people's word for it. It's fine. It's just not like a regular 
Yeah. You know, it's just not my thing. Yeah. So they're in trouble now. Yeah. Wow. I mean, especially because you go to the grocery store and it's not cheaper. Then you look at the nutritional value and it's not actually healthier. Like maybe a little bit on saturated fat, but that's about it. The sodium level in that is crazy. Oh, yeah. Man, that reminds me of one of, well, my favorite clips, I think, of all time. Certainly of this gentleman. We're not going to let Joe Biden and Kamala Harris cut America's meat. Mm -hmm. Yes, Mike Pence, the way that was delivered with passion. Because it would have been worse if he would have been president. Remember that there were some people, Democrats, saying it would be worse if Pence was the president. He's worse than Trump. He's more extreme. (laughs) What a bunch of absolute pansies these people are. America's meat. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, Boy, a lot of Senate races getting a lot of attention. We've heard a lot about Pennsylvania. Another big one in Ohio. And Tim Ryan, the Democrat... Um, going up against Vance and Tim Ryan apparently pulling out all the stops. David? Oh yeah, man. Well, I, I don't know if you knew this, but Tim Ryan, he's, he's pulling out the big guns. He's already had Paul Simon and dropkick Murphy's very relevant, uh, showing up to perform at his rallies. And now on October 24th, you will be treated to the musical stylings of one Dave Matthews. Oh, which of course gracious. You like Dave Matthews, Scott. Listen, first of all, don't put me in a box there. I'm not a big Dave Matthews guy. I'm not. Uh, I'm the whole col- there's I a said hand, you there's, like. There's a handful da- of songs by Dave Matthews. Yes, you, yes. you always like this. Ants marching, yes. Yeah, you like different. That's Ants fine. marching for Tim Ryan. Yeah, that's fine. It's just not my thing, man. I know it's not. That's all right. They could get you to vote for... Uh... No, it couldn't. No? No. As a matter of fact, it makes me not want to listen to Dave Matthews. Oh, really? Yeah. No, oh. Scott is very upset. <laughs> he won't listen to Dave no more. What do you want to bet Tim Ryan's going to just introduce him as Dave to show that he's a real Dave Matthews fan? Yeah, because you've got to use this first it's Dave, name. man. That's and you've got, act, you, you got to act surprised when someone says, I don't know, it's all right. What, you don't like Dave? No. What? Yeah, it's a Dave thing. You wouldn't understand. You wouldn't it. get it. No. no. No, the first time that I, you know, all of a sudden get it, make sure that I'm okay. <laughs> it's just off not your my meds. thing, man. I got a lot of friends that like Dave. And I say, I'm happy for you. <laughs> I just don't want to go to the show. Not my thing. All right. When should you intervene in a situation in public? Oh, this is a really interesting question. That much more come out. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. We're just talking about Senate races, like the one in Ohio. Tim Ryan's having Dave Matthews play. <laughs> and then in Pennsylvania, it's Fetterman and Dr. Oz. Yeah. And yes. there's an update on this, David. Well, NBC News reporter uh, Dasha Burns is in some trouble from lefties and media and the campaign of John Fetterman because she had the audacity to point out that John Fetterman had a massive stroke and struggles to speak and struggles to comprehend what somebody is telling him unless he can read it. 
But apparently, it's not her place to tell anybody no, that. It's ableist. What are you going to do? You're going to make fun of someone who wears glasses now? Please. <laughs> not the same. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, now I guess Dasha Burns was doing her penance by uh, going after Dr. Oz today. Yeah, same. Well, we had to interview him, too. Yeah. And here you go. Republican Pennsylvania Senate candidate and celebrity Dr. Mehmet Oz has been cutting into his Democratic rival's lead in recent months, looking to capitalize on Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman's time sidelined from the campaign trail by a stroke he says almost killed him. Oz's team at times mocking the stroke survivor. You're a doctor. You're a heart doctor. You of all people understand what John Fetterman is going through better than most. Why would you allow your campaign to mock him like that? I have tremendous compassion for what John Fetterman has gone through. I mean, not only do I, as a doctor, appreciate the challenges, but I know his specific ailment because it's a specialty area of mine. In an apparent effort to pressure Fetterman. Okay, but the whole thing about mocking him, mm -hmm. was it mocking him? It was a one campaign person? Yeah, it was one campaign official who said that. Okay. All right. In an apparent effort to pressure Fetterman to commit to a debate, the Oz campaign released a sarcastic statement promising not to hurt John's feelings and offering to pay for medical personnel. Doesn't the buck stop with you? Isn't that what a leader accepts? Oh, I accept the responsibility, and, and I, you know, I deal with issues as they come up, but uh, he has his own set of issues, and we should have had a debate already. But would you ever talk to your patients like this? No. He's also distancing The way it's edited, man. Yeah. His patients aren't running for Senate. Correct. Shut up. He's not Fetterman's doctor. No. Oh, and, and his patients are also not telling him or accusing him of being in bed with a foreign power. Well, yeah, like John Fetterman's campaign. If you're going to dish it out, you better be willing to take it. Absolutely. Are you going to tell me if the roles were reversed with political parties, we wouldn't be having this conversation? Right. I guarantee you all of us would. He's also distancing himself from the abortion battle, repeatedly refusing to say whether he would support Senator Lindsey Graham's proposed national abortion ban. Can you tell us right now oh, yes please. or no on that bill? I'm giving you a bigger answer than yes or no. I'm telling you I don't want any federal rules limiting what states do with abortion. It should be up to the states. Yes, David. Yeah. Well, that's also very misleading because it's not an all-out abortion ban. It's banning it after 15 weeks, which, according to polling for decades, most Americans are cool with. Oh, yeah, but you think that legacy media is going to mention that part? Well, hell no. They just want to lie. That's yes. all they do. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Um, oh, and a little bit later on, we'll get to when and how do Americans think bystanders should intervene. Really interesting. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Biggest story of the day, David, is what? Uh, biggest story of the day continues to be the economy, which is just taking a dump, of course, because we got the bad inflation report you're talking about now. What is it, like 175,000 jobs a month they're expecting to start losing heading into next year? Mm -hmm. Or sometime next year, numbers. I should say. Yeah, yeah. it's going to get bad. That's the big prediction. It has been for a while. Shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, honestly. No. Well, you got that. And, you know, experts as far as, no, I'm serious. I'm talking about, you know, yeah, I know. with foreign policy, yeah. say what they used to think was, you know, maybe a 1% to 5% chance of nuclear war has gone up to 25% oh, with Putin. So, yeah, dealing with that as well. All to get updated on next.
right. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. It's Jamie Markley, the Gen Xer. David Van Camp, the Millennial, and the Sexy Boomer in the hoodie. Feeling the Fetterman vibe. That yep. is Scott Roberts. <laughs> I'm wearing the Fetterman collection. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird that you have the cucumber hat on today, though. That's kind of weird. This is strange. Feels very disrespectful. Um, man, I feel like I want to hear LL Cool J right now. Mama said, "Knock you out." <laughs> I'm gonna knock you out. Nancy yeah. P. Mm-hmm. Nancy Pelosi talking some nonsense yeah. from this January 6th committee Ooh. where she says she wants to punch out Trump. What? See, here's the thing: there was new bombshell video evidence, unvarnished, unfiltered, except through the lens of Nancy Pelosi's filmmaker daughter. Which seems just like a happened filter to be there on to January six. Who knew? Yeah, Ready and had a camera. Too. Yeah, not we're not talking about an iPhone camera. No, 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 real deal. No. <laughs> so setting up shot shots beforehand. So this like seven minute long produced mini documentary uh, shows the uh, the octogenarians all hunkered down in some secure location during the Capitol riot, mm-hmm. and we're supposed to believe that they were fearing for their lives. Because America was about to fall. And everybody's mm-hmm. reading lines. That's what it really does look like. Um, it really looks like bad acting. It, it, it is. It, it's comical to me. It really is just a funny thing. Especially, and I know I'm like a dog with a bone with this one. The <laughs> fact that they've got a box of Triscuits sitting in the situation <laughs> room. It's like, America's about to fall, but we need a snack. Okay? Yes. All right. Uh, anyway, but yeah, it, it, part of this was all also d- designed to make Nancy Pelosi look like a hero ahead mm-hmm. of the midterm election. And so there's this one moment where Nancy Pelosi uh, is like watching television and someone's telling her what's going on with the president. And the president may come to the Capitol, but Secret Service doesn't want him to come to the Capitol because it's not secure for him. And she threatens to punch Donald Trump. Right. I'll be comes, I'm going to punch him out. This oh, is my mom. I would pay to see I've that. I'm waiting for this, for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to punch him out, and I'm going to go to jail, and I'm going to be happy. Oh, the angry drunk syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want, to, I want to understand this, this part right here. For trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to punch him out, and I'm going to go to jail, and I'm going to be happy. Oh, just a little before that. I've been waiting for this. She's been waiting for it. Mm-hmm. For him to trespass? I guess. Or waiting for a reason to punch him. I don't know. Hmm. I find that interesting. Or both. The whole, the whole thing's a farce. I've been waiting for him to trespass because you knew it was going to happen. What are you saying? Right. I don't understand. And let's face it, old lady, you're not punching anybody. <laughs> You'll shatter your little wrist. It's a joke. By the way, if she would have, let's just say this plays out. You know, because, you know, you say something like that, and all of a sudden he shows up. I don't know about you, but if you're Nancy's friend, don't you remind her? Hey, you going to do it or not? You said you were, wuss. <laughs> Go do it. You were yapping about punching him out. Are you going to do it or not? And then you either got to put up or shut up. So if she goes over and gives him a little jab, right? Or gives him everything she's got, doesn't maybe, really matter. Maybe we... what? Does that give you free reign? I mean, if you get punched, do you punch back? I do. You'd punch an old lady? Nancy Pelosi is, that's, 
disqualifies her from any other old lady in the right. world. Right. I mean, she is more of a lizard person <laughs> exactly. than anything else. So I think the skin would peel and we'd what? see what it really was behind <laughs> But that sounds like someone threatening violence, doesn't yeah. it? I thought we were supposed to stay away from such talk. I'll punch him out. That's actually what she was doing when Joe Biden at the State of the Union was talking about burn pits. And she did that weird, like... She had both of her fists clenched oh, yeah, and was, was like rubbing, rubbing them together. together? Uh, yeah, maybe she was actually like pretending, like pretending to box. It just, you know, it was like muscle memory. <laughs> Could be right. She had been training for this moment, and she was like shadow boxing or something. You know, yeah, right. she was just conjuring the mothership. But you might be right. <laughs> You've been waiting for this. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for you, Mister Trump. <laughs> <laughs> she turns into a lizard person after oh. taking up the mask. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's all funny. But it'd be a lot funnier if these jokers didn't have so much power. Yeah. That part makes you sad, I, at least I, for the time being. I did think it was kind of interesting that even in the failing New York Times, there was an op-ed today mm-hmm. with somebody who just doesn't seem to be a big fan of Trump, but said this thing, is, this whole January 6th thing is a joke because it has become, it is so partisan Oh, I know yeah. they say bipartisan, but come on. When you got two Republicans, one of them's Adam Adam Kinzinger and one of them is Liz Cheney. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, uh, screw off with that. But yeah. um, in the New York Times, the piece says something like, this feels like you're at church and the pastor's sermon is going on a little bit too long. Yeah, like, he keeps waiting for the altar call. He keeps waiting for somebody right. to come to the altar. And so do you because you're watching it going, come on, somebody. But no one's gonna go. Right, exactly. It's like, come on, the Cowboys Nothing's are kicking off. This. The Cowboys are kicking off in fifteen. Pastor, wrap it up. Yeah, let's go. Go by, get my bucket of chicken, and go to the, <laughs> watch the game. Oh man, you know, earlier, David, you had a piece of audio, and it was from a mom at a school board meeting reading from a book that was recommended to seventh graders, and it was something, man. Um, there is a lot of people that are going to school board meetings, finding out what's yeah. going on at schools. Sometimes it's about books. Sometimes it's about other things. And in California, there's a mom there, Brittany Mayer. Um, she goes by the name Rooted Wings on Twitter. And she's been standing up to all of the woke nonsense, especially the whole transgender activist crowd. And she saw that the school board... And this is um, Ensenadas Union School District. I think this is outside San Francisco. She ended up on Tucker's show last night. But she, she noticed that the school board had sent out this invitation to go to this family-friendly you know, Halloween event called Boo Bash, where you had drag performers dressed as Disney villains yeah. in addition to games and trick-or-treating. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so she goes in front of the school board and just lets him have it. It's fantastic. Roll it. What is it about a grown man costumed in a sparkly bra with augmented boobs busting out a leather miniskirt barely covering his twerking ass 
the tuck tape on his front while spreading his fish netted legs as he writhes on the ground, grinding his groin next to a minor, family friendly. You owe us an answer. We have a culture that has a massive problem with child porn, with sex trafficking. You, a little school district board of adults, made the decision to feature an event to hypersexualize young children. Do you want to know that the word that defines that? It's groomer. It is. It is. And it is so weird that this has become this new battleground and that there are people who are defending it as art and you're homophobic or something. Like, I'm sorry, but I've never met a gay dude who wants to dress up like a woman and do sexually provocative dances in front of children. I just don't know any gay people like that. Like, to me, that's that's more offensive to the overall gay community to say that, well, this is just about representing LGBTQ identities than anything oh, else. Dude, there's a major backlash going on. Um, Dave Rubin talks about it. It's, well, you have different groups now. What's the name of the group? Yeah. There's gays uh, against groomers. Yes, that's one. And then there's another one. A lot of different groups saying, hey, you, we're gay people. We just want to be left alone. We want to live our lives. We want the same rights as everybody else. This is sick, what you people yeah. are doing. You know, stop it. You definitely have that fight going on. I mean, drag shows are big in that community. I understand. But they're adults. Dude, has there ever been anyone saying, you know what, a family-friendly event uh, coming up, we're going to have some strippers do some pole dancing right. and teach, you, teach your daughters how to do some pole dancing, and uh, trust us, the young dudes in sixth grade are really going to enjoy it. Yeah, but they look like Yogi Bear. Of course yeah. not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They don't do that, but she goes on at this meeting. You all played the activist pimp for an aligned surgical center and for a 21 plus gay bar. It makes you groomers and activist pimps, and we won't have those sitting on a school board who oversees the education of our children. Yeah, those Get were sponsors in the boo bash. Yeah. Yeah. And you notice one of the sponsors. The gender center. Yeah, the gender center. Yes. Big corporate sponsor of the Boobash. And the 21 plus gay bar. Yeah. 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 Parents have had enough. Again, what school board goes, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, let's send out the invite to that who family does, friendly. I mean, who does that? Activists. Right. And they got elected. Because well, nobody paid any attention. In the head. Either way, they can't be on the school board. Because you just assume when you talk about school board people that they're there for the benefit of your children. You just assume that. That's, you know, that's an assumption you make. Yeah, I understand. And not anymore. We used to trust the CDC, too. Absolutely. And the you're FBI. right. I know. Yes. But they've taken over a whole lot of things, talking about the left. Okay, we've got someone else crying racism. Was this real racism, David? Oh, no. This is just a really funny story. So this is in Australia. Uh, there was a former University of Queensland student, Sierra Chen, who got something in the mail, and it was addressed to a person named Miss Ching Chong. Now... Sierra Chen is of Chinese origin, and she thought, mm -hmm. well, this is obviously racist because the phrase can be used as an ethnic slur to mock people from China or whose heritage is linked to China. And so she puts this out on Facebook and says, last, re uh, last week I received mail from the University of Queensland Sports with a slur on the envelope, Ching Chong. The content of the letter was quite normal, but Ching Chong is a racial discrimination word against the Chinese. However, another former student came forward to say, hey, I used to live at that address, and my name is Ching Chong. 
<laughs> she wrote, chill, guys, it's me. My birth name is Ching Chong. My parents named me Ching because it rhymes with my family name Chong and my beautiful Chinese name. And so, you know, the, the comments, everybody started having sort of a field day with it. And apparently... Uh, one person weighed in and said, yeah, I used to know a guy with a really funny name, but he loved it. Uh, his name his name was Itchy Wang. No. Yeah. You're making it up. I-C-H-I Wang. <laughs> oh, that's relatable. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, gosh. Did he write a book called Unprotected Sex in the Summer of 2022? <laughs> Sorry. Couldn't help. Oh. Well, in the case of monkeypox, it's itchy bum. Yeah. Have that, too. Mr. Dragon writing a book, too. <laughs> yeah. I was going to get to this. When should bystanders intervene? <laughs> when we'll Itchy Wang shows up. Know, finally, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to get to that in a news update. Uh, straight ahead. show jamie markley david van camp scott robbins i don't know if you saw this or not um i think it was Rahm Emanuel that once said never let a crisis go to waste you know biden renewed the covid emergency for another 90 days isn't it unbelievable after telling scott pelly it was over mm-hmm. just three weeks ago at the well, detroit car show yes yeah it's over look everybody's enjoying it having fun yeah but they're they're really worried about the legality of that student loan debt relief exactly so mm. they got to extend the emergency and they're actually trying to maybe kind of sort of get tough on the border with a new program to deport venezuelans to mexico because those venezuelans know how bad socialism is and we can't have them coming in you know who predicted that would happen who's that victor davis hansen <laughs> yes he is a fellow at the where Hoover Institute. Yes, I get it confused with Manhattan and the others. I don't know. All I know is every time that guy talks, I want to hear what he has to say because he's brilliant. And he had predicted this. It's like, well, if Venezuelans start coming in, then maybe they'll say, hey, we got to do something here because they know exactly what communism is. Communism is. Mm -hmm. And they won't vote the way the left wants. Yeah, a lot of sense to that. I mentioned... When and how do Americans think bystanders should intervene? This was a poll was taken. There's 10 scenarios and four options for each scenario. Okay. All right. So say you see in public a man making sexual advances toward a very drunk woman. Do you physically intervene, verbally intervene, call 911, or do nothing? That's the question. Yeah, probably verbally first. Like, dude. How much have I been drinking? Let's say sober for the sake of argument. Sober. Yes. Oh, yeah. Then it's, I, I think you probably say something either to him or if there's a bouncer at the bar. Something like that? Yeah. What about I a person violently kicking or abusing a dog? No. Oh, no. Then I'm, I'm pulling out my gun and I'm yep. shooting that person. I'm right there with David on that one. Well, a lot of times you go to 
whether it's you know some sort of training um, that could be firearms it could be it just depends on the situation that you only want to go you know physical if you absolutely have to mm-hmm. yeah especially when you're talking about fights and things like that to get physically involved you'd want to use the voice first yeah it, it, to see if it would deter someone fall back to the rib cage would do it <laughs> <laughs> but actually physical intervention was popular in three scenarios two i just mentioned the other was a man hitting his female partner oh yeah oh yeah, that, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm down on that one too. Yep. Um, interesting one. A person yelling racial slurs at someone who's a racial minority. Boy, that's a conundrum, isn't it? Sure is. <laughs> yes. Well, but it, it, you know, it, sometimes it, depending on where you are, you'd have to think: Is that person a minority? Where am I at this point in time? What you know? What country are you in? That sort yeah. of thing. And of course, this is the United States, but the way they phrase that is pretty interesting. Or a person who's homeless and needs medical help. So a lot of these ended up to be you call nine one one. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I that's do what there. you would end up yes. doing. Yes. Okay, we got to get you set up for the Friday Five, David. What is uh, Sunday? Sunday is World Cat Day or Global Cat Day, and so yeah. I wanted to celebrate that. Everybody knows that. Yeah, yeah. They do? It's a yes. big holiday, a huge holiday at my house. Uh, greatest songs of all time with cat or a form of cat in the title. Oh. Van Camp and Robbins, both fans of cats. No yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. I can't wait till you hear what Robbins put in the five and what got host. The number is 210-619-2053. Again, 210-619-2053. The Friday Five songs with Pat in the title. Next. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Woo. All right, let's do it. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. It's that time on Friday. Time for our countdown, the Friday Five, and it starts like this. The countdown is on. You know what this means? It's our favorite time of the week. Anybody wants to get mellow, you can get the f*** out of here, all right? The Friday Five. It will test your head and your mind and your brain. On the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. So we take a little time out and our Friday Five, our countdown. And because it's Global Cat Day on Sunday, yes. David suggested we do cat songs. No, like, yeah. Very David special and I day. Have cats and we love our cats. Yes. Um, and if you are new to the show, uh, sometimes it kind of goes back and forth because David is very much one that is a believer in discipline with cats. Mm-hmm. And he will try to coach Scott in discipline. In his cats, mm-hmm. sometimes that doesn't go well. It's all in, it meant in the right spirit, I think. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Here to teach, not to shame. Um, I'm here to shame what ended up at number five, because I just don't understand it. Uh, what? All right. All right. Outside Let's... of that, man, we got a really good countdown. There's a lot of great songs with fine. Cat, 
in the title. The it's number is two one zero six one nine two zero five three. You pick number five, Scott. Okay. All right. Who's first, David? Let's talk to Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. I got hung up. Yeah, Mike, well. no, we're here. No, no you're man, here, buddy, you're here. All right. What you got, yeah, buddy? Season of the Cat, Al Stewart. Um, season of the Cat. Oh, it's uh, close to here. Uh, it's so sad. Nope, it's not on the list. Sorry. What? Is there a song called Season of the Cat by Al Stewart? I don't think. Did he mean Year of the Cat? Year of the Cat, yeah. Oh, Year of the Cat. Come yeah, on. well. Number five. There you go. Oh, she looks like so cool. And right shine like the moon and the sea. You she had that one, Scott. Yep. And patchouli. So you take her. Okay. To find what's waiting inside. I don't know whether I should say this now the or wait until. the cat. We get to a song that didn't make it. What what would you give this one on Test of Time score? Eight. An eight. An eight? Yeah, I probably. I've asked several people. Uh, uh, three people I knew said, I've, I've never heard that song before. Never heard that song before? Correct. Ever? No. Okay. How old were these people? Uh, two were over 45. No. I promise you. Never heard the song Never before? Never heard it before. Okay. Um, but you know what? Did you tell them about the Beatles? What about the Beatles? <laughs> You're not really comparing the Beatles to... No, I'm just saying, how do you have never cat? heard that song before I, when you're I'd 45? Never heard, I'd never heard that song until you brought it to my attention a few All years right. ago. Good Lord. Okay. All right. Um, but there's a story behind the song, Year of the Cat... We got to get to other people that yeah, are calling I, in right now. I, hopefully, right now. we I'm can sure get to it. I'm sure it's some pompous, goofball, rock star story. Mm-hmm. But you love the song. I like. I I don't know. I love this. I like the song. Okay. You know, you always do this to me, but I like the song. It's. I remember playing. I. It was a great song. It was a summertime hit, if I recall. <laughs> and I like it. You had it at like number three, didn't you? I don't know where I had it. I don't remember. Oh, number two. Yeah, probably. Number two. That means you got to love that song. Yeah. Okay, I love this song. So what? <laughs> I'm not critical of that. <laughs> well, that's I'm, fine. Oh, okay. You're just trying I'm, to understand. All right. I mean, okay. I, honestly, I think the fact that the first caller we had picked Year of the Cat is like a, that's a redemption story for Scott Robbins. I don't think so. He didn't even know the name of the song. He called it Season of the Cat. <laughs> Robbins probably put him up to calling. All right, who's next? He's probably at least 85 because he's heard it. <laughs> Let's talk to Susan. Hey, Susan. Hey, guys. How are you? Great, Good. Susan. Susan. Thanks Hi. for checking in. What you thinking for Cat hey, Song? So I would be a lot more enthusiastic right now, but I'm rocking my baby grandson, and he's oh, sleeping. Oh, man. That's and nice. this is a song by an incredible patriot, Ted Nugent, Cat Scratched Fever. Oh, yeah. You know, you're going to have a great weekend. Walk and, it off. And why I love this is that you're a grandma and you're rocking your baby. If you were to think about it, you should be picking Year of the Cat. But no, you actually rock, see? And that's Number why. one. Cat Scratched Fever. Big deal. Cat scratch fever. That's the time I think we all had a tie. 
I think we all like it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did we all have it at number one? No, Scott did not have it at number one. No, I did not have it at number one. Really? It's in my top five, though. Grandma Susan rocks harder than Scott. Yeah, it's good to hear that, man. I like the way Sweaty Teddy uh, changes up the lyrics sometimes to live in concert. <laughs> He's a very funny guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got a great ten. I can't ever tell it. If you ever run into me somewhere, I'll tell it to you. What, Ted Nugent story? It's a great Ted Nugent story. Yeah, I think yes. we got several good Ted Nugent stories. One of stories. my favorites. Yes. Yeah. All right. Now on with the countdown, David. Uh, let's talk to Woody. Hey, Woody. Hey, guys. Love your show. But today you've made all men feel really uncomfortable by using phrases like shaking it like a ketchup bottle and itchy wang. <laughs> <laughs> they get a little bit of everything on this all show. All on the same show. <laughs> Uh, my song by the Stray Cats, cat, uh, Stray Cat Strut. Right, Woody? It's big hit. It's number three. And I, it's a test of timer to me, at least a seven, right? And it's just an honorable mention. And do you remember the quote, David, from Scott, as we're putting this together? No. What did you call this, Scott? I don't know. Just this goofball, stupid song. Oh, it's so novelty. Those guys were all novelty. It's a novelty act. Oh, it's fine. That's what they were, though. The straight were novelty. Please. The haircut. Yeah, stand-up bass. The whole look. Rolled up jeans. I mean, what the hell? Oh, my goodness. I can't believe you're saying that. Oh, they were, they were yeah, fun okay. rock and roll band. I'm not saying they weren't fun, but it was a novelty yeah, that, that Brian Setzer, he's no Al Stewart. Well, he went on to do other things, sure. Oh. Well, if you like him, that's fine. I know you like doo-wop. That's fine. <laughs> doo-wop? You're a big fan of the, of the doo-wop culture. Dude, the whole Stray Cat run was really good. That dude can flat I, out I, play. I'm not saying that. It's not my thing. It's your thing. That's fine. I guess if it was Year of the Stray Cat, maybe it would have made it. <laughs> if Al Holy Stewart was just cow. beating on a garbage can and playing a stand-up bass, it would have worked. And had a bouffant haircut. Oh, man. Okay, who's next? Uh, let's talk to... Who do we have here? Greg. Hey, Greg. Oh, here we go. Hey, Hello. Greg. Hey, Greg. Hey, you, doing, you know what? I want to dedicate this song to Monica. And also, um, I think Dan Fetterman knows who's going to win on Sunday. <laughs> the oh, Eagles. John oh. Fetterman knows Eagles. Yes, yes. the yes. Eagles. Eagles. Right. <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> um, it, I guess it's Harry Chapman who sings the uh, the Cats in the Cradle. My dad used to like that song. Oh yeah, man. Boy, it's a stab to the heart when you hear that thing. Number two. Yes. The cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. I don't know when it goes by fast. Okay, go ahead, David. Oh, I, I think this is a well-done song. My personal like on it, though, is like a tube, I guess, because I would never, I never want to hear this song. It's so sad. Okay, this is the whole thing, and this is the conversation. 
you're like for a personal like score, do you just base it on how often you want to hear it? Or do you base it on, do you really think it's a great song? Because I think it's a great song. I don't want to hear it that often. Because I don't hear it very often. But it's it's really sad. It is sad. No doubt about kid it. Kid learned nothing from the absentee father. He started to do it again. All over again. And the chain continues. Yes. Well, you know, it wasn't just Harry Chapin that had a hit with that, Scott. At top 40. Oh, I know. I played it. Well, it was like, it, I think it made it to number six. It was <laughs> Ugly Kid Joe. That was the early 90s. Later this hour here, the captain right here is Ugly Kid Joe. Right? Yep. Yes, sir. That's right. That's all we played it at Rock Radio, too. That was a, it was a big hit. It really right, was. The Tesla cover of it. Tesla really would have done a great job with mm-hmm. that. Okay, so we have Ted Nugent at one, Harry Chapin at two, and Al Stewart at five. Who's next, David? Uh, let's talk to Mary. Hey, Mary. Mary. Hi, guys. Hi, Mary. Mary. How are you? Hi. Oh, I'm fine, thanks. Happy Friday. You too. Okay, so here's a happier song or a fun song that I'm going with, and it's uh, Honky Cat by Elton John. There you go. That is happy. Number four. Song was. What was his first big hit song? Your song. Nope, it's Honky Cat. You don't believe me, do you? Nope. I'm almost sure on that one. You want to bet? Nope. <laughs> Your song was recorded before that. Maybe first number one song. That could be. We'll look that up. We'll get the story behind that song. Because we only have one left in the five to get to, and that's number three. Get Casey early here. Okay. Well, and we have great honorable mentions, too. Friday Five Songs with Cat in the title. And again, the number's 210-619-2053, and we'll wrap it up next. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Got a news update in less than 15 minutes. And then we have the Scott Robbins trifecta, his top three stories of the day. That's the Reverend Ferocious Theodosius Ted Nugent. Cat Scratch Fever, number one today. Greatest cat songs of all time for our Friday Five. Cats in the Cradle from Harry Chapin at number two. Elton John's Honky Cat at four. And inexplicably, Year of the no, Cat from Al Stewart at number five. Deserving spot at number five, Al Stewart's Year of the Cat. Yes. On an eight score for Test of Time by one Scott Robb. That's me. Hmm. I stand by it. I know you do. <laughs> Numbers 210-619-2053. Back to it, David. Uh, let's talk to Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, Chris. Thanks for checking in, man. What you got? Shane uh, yeah, Jackson, Black Cat. Yeah, that's oh. a good song. You know what? 
everybody know who uh, plays guitar on this one? Eddie? Nope. Steve Vai? Nope. Ted Nugent? No. I, I don't remember. Al Stewart? That's not true. No, it's not. No, it's Vernon Reed from That's Living right. Color. Living Color. Yeah. yeah. This thing rocked pretty good. Yeah, it did. That was like a rock song. By the way, I have to uh, confess fake news earlier. Honky Cat was not Elton John's first hit or first number one hit. Right. Do you know what his first number one hit was? I heard it already. Crocodile Rock. Right. The single after Honky Cat. Yes. So now you know the story. And, as Casey would say... Now, on with the countdown. Hey, thank you. Mm-hmm. Who's next, David? Uh, we got uh, Tom. Hey, Tom. Yeah, I was going to say Year of the Cat, but... Uh... I came up with Tom Jones. What's new, Pussycat? Heck yeah, man. Which is much better. Good job, Tom. Number three. What's new, Pussycat? Whoa, 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 whoa. What's new, Pussycat? Whoa, 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 Pussycat, Pussycat, you're so thrilling and I'm so willing to care for you. Well, so such a gentleman. Oh, Tom Jones. I have a friend of mine that just saw him recently. No way. Yeah. Where at? In Vegas, I think. At a club in at a place in Vegas, and he he played. I guess he doesn't walk as well anymore. Okay. He's still got the pipes. Wow. In the city of St. Louis, in a place called the Landing, where they had different clubs. Yeah. It's like two thirty in the morning. Yeah. I'm walking, and it was my wife and I. Maybe, yeah, I think we just got married. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes Tom Jones walking down the street with a lady on each arm. Well, and course. I don't know if it was security or if that was just Tom Jones. No, that, that's just Tom Jones, man. Securing Holy. his masculinity, yes. yes. Holy cow, yes, wild. Okay, who's next? Uh, let's talk to Mark. Hey, Mark. Greetings, comrades. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, Mark. Thanks for checking in. Yes, I must. Well, I must congratulate Robbins on birthday since you share it with a very important person, my son. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's cool. Only cool, I, guys. Yeah. I understand it is a very historic one as it is his 700 billion and a trillion, 300 million billion birthday. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes. That's right. Nice Biden to reference. Celebrate, to celebrate it, Robbins went to beach to hug a merman, and then he and Vin Diesel straddled Van Camp. <laughs> I don't consent to any of that. <laughs> Unfortunately, as a result, he got bad case of sand crabs. <laughs> also, also, you guys must forgive President Magoo for faux pas earlier this week when he said two words made in America. He really meant to say, I have three words, made in the USA. <laughs> <laughs> so what you thinking, Mark? Well, this is what Peter Ducey says when Karine Jean Van Damme comes to the podium. Look what the cat dragged in by poison. <laughs> oh, that's a fun countdown. Cat Sarge, Ted Nugent, Harry Chapin, Tom Jones, Elton John, and... Al Stewart. Al Stewart. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. 
David, biggest story of the day? Biggest story of the day continues to be the economy, in my opinion, is that everything seems to be on fire. More and more people are talking recession. And the president says, well, you know, what you need to do is make sure that I have more power in the midterms because I'll make things better than those Republicans would, even though that's demonstrably false, as evidenced by nearly two years of his presidency now. Yes, this is true. Um, We got to get to that. And the Scott Robbins trifecta. Some people are thinking the biggest story of the day is the Stray Cats were a novelty act. No, that's we, not that's not a big story. That was the Robbins take from earlier. It's just a fact. I, I, uh, dude. Wow, man. All right. You coming hard with three today? You Got ready? It. Got it. It's all coming up right here. Yeah, the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins, news update, David Van Camp. This is rich. So the Biden administration has decided that they are going to start trying to kind of sort of stem the flow of the border crisis, migrants coming up. And so what they're doing is they're expelling people under Title 42, which I was told was xenophobic and racist, a holdover from the Trump administration. But now they're utilizing it to send Venezuelans to Mexico. And, and also, Why Venezuelans? Well, because right. uh, they were fleeing communism. I mean, we have actually now seen, because Governor Abbott sent a bunch of migrants to New York, where important people live, mm-hmm. we've actually seen them evaporate not only the last two weeks of talking points where they say, well, they're fleeing communism. We have to let them in. Right. But they've evaporated more than a year of talking points, years actually of talking points that turning people away is not who we are. It's racist. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you, man, I was skeptical about uh, Governor Abbott's uh, move to to, and and Governor Ducey to another extent uh, in Arizona. I was skeptical about the move. I thought, ah, okay, maybe this is just going to be a stupid little stunt. They'll send a couple of buses, and then that's it. This has worked. Yes. This is huge. These people in a huge way. And, and, and on the practical side, it is a huge thing for people who live along border communities, like the, actually for safety and security. If the Biden administration is quietly now going to start turning people away and getting more aggressive with people who are trying to come into our country. I, that's, a, that's a net benefit, um, aside from the political win that Governor Abbott got. You know, and you're right, man. Their response to the border. I mean, we all know they want open borders. They think it will benefit them in the long run. And to hear all the different talking points over time, well, the border's secure. No, we watch. Like, streams of people come across every day. You know, and a few weeks ago, what was it Karine Jean-Pierre was saying? What we stand by is that we are doing everything that we can 
to make sure that um, uh, that we follow the process that's been put forth. That's why we have uh, historic funding uh, to do just that, to make sure that, um, uh, you know, uh, um, Dude. Uh, to make sure that... Um, <laughs> to make sure that uh, the folks that we encounter at the border be removed uh, or expelled. No, you don't. But now you will. Venezuela? No. You're not going to benefit us in the long run. You need to skedaddle. Go to Mexico. <laughs> wow, man. God dang. It's really something. All right, Robbins, are you ready for yeah, your big let's three? Yeah, let's go. All right, big trifecta for a Friday. Let's do it. Are you ready? One, two, buckle my shoe off. It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Scott's top three stories today, every day at this time. Always helped by his hero. Hi, it's me, Casey. Casey, Casey. You ready? Sure. Okay. Three. Uh, Number three, climate change activists in uh, the UK vandalized a Van Gogh painting. That's right. Uh, they're going to show them. A new tra- trend now among the attention starved in our society is to destroy things of value in the name of climate change. And it happened again. Soup was thrown on an original Van Gogh painting called Sunflowers. And the quote was, is art worth more than life, more than food, more than justice? We heard that, didn't we? Yes. What is worth more, art or life? Is it worth more than food? worth more than justice? Are you more concerned about the protection of a painting or the protection of our planet and people? The cost of living crisis is part of the cost of oil crisis. Fuel is unaffordable to millions of cold, hungry families. They can't even afford to heat a tin of soup. At least with Greta Thunberg, I there's an excuse what's the excuse for that nonsense uh that's just somebody who's never actually had to struggle for anything so they take yeah. on other people's struggles and they glued With Greta, themselves she's a confused girl that got taken advantage right. of mm-hmm. they glued the glue themselves to the painting as well i'd have left him there <laughs> you know, i left him there I, just leave him there i had the same thought sure like, turn the lights off you know lock it up for the night there you are yeah there, glue yourself to the painting you idiot <laughs> that really should be it it's it's like hang a sign outside sorry a bunch of lefty nut jobs are are there um yeah. or put a sign like directly in front of them out of arm's reach that says don't feed the crazy people right and, and it, just it, let them stay there yeah yeah and bring children's groups through it's not to act I like that. Good idea, Robbins. Robbins for president. Let let him just stick there. We're getting closer and closer to number one. Is that Robbins trifecta? Two. Okay. Yeah. Everybody sounds like a thin bird in my head. (laughs) Number two, uh, Biden has renewed the COVID emergency for another 90 days. Yeah, they extended the COVID-19 pandemic status as a public health emergency. They get 90 more days preserving measures such as expanded Medicaid and higher payments to hospitals. The decision followed the comments of the president he made just, what, three weeks ago, describing the pandemic as over, more than once, with Scott Pelley, if you recall. Yes. But then his staff had to go back and say, well, that's not what the president meant. People are saying, hey, you got to wind this thing down, man. What are you doing? I mean, Biden made it very clear. Could it be, David, I'm just suggesting this perhaps, that if he continues to extend this thing out, 
he can get closer and closer to forgiving student debt. Well, yeah, I mean, because the justification for forgiving some student loan debt was that we're still still in a COVID emergency, and so that should count uh, under a law that was passed in the wake of 9-11, that an emergency would require or would give the White House the authorization to do something like this. The other thing is, if it's talking specifically about reimbursements to hospitals, mm-hmm. dude, that guy is going to need those people to pass through, you know, prescription drug prices, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's talking about bringing down those costs. This is a payout. This is a bribe. Oh, sure it is. Wow. So there's your answer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You know, and they throw these numbers around, too, that, you know, the White House is asking Congress for $22.4 billion in additional pandemic funding. We say twenty two four point four billion now, and it doesn't make it doesn't register. No, I mean it. It really it doesn't. Does does it? It sounds like well, nothing. when you're thirty one trillion God, in the hole, right? You know, there's a third one. Oh yes, the Scott Robbins trifecta top three of the day. One one Crane uh, gets that much for breakfast. Okay, yeah. <laughs> number one, White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain made another wild claim about inflation. This could be one of the wildest claims I have ever freaking heard about this. And Corrine Jean-Pierre, of course, also talked about it as well. You know, inflation, you got the uh, Social Security is going to get a little bump up this year. You know that, right? This means the seniors will have a chance to get ahead of the inflation due to the rare combination of rising benefits and falling premiums. So for the first time in a decade, Social Security benefits will go up while Medicare premiums are going down. So seniors will get ahead so today's report shows some progress, says Ron Klain. No, it's... Of course it doesn't. So the increase is wiped out by inflation. By inflation! Yeah, I mean, it's you're basically back to where you were uh, two, three years ago. Actually, inflation is really good for seniors. Yeah. Holy hell, what's going on here? Dude, it... <laughs> it's, it's a good stunning. thing. And it's a vicious cycle because there's an inflationary aspect to this. Wow. This is what putting lipstick on a pig sounds like. Exactly. It's really been an honor for me. <laughs> and that is the trifecta. Scott you Robbins. can't buy as much, but you get more money. <laughs> did you have another update to get to, or did you want storytelling? It's up to you, I want David. storytelling, because I know you're really mad about the Friday Five, the countdown we do uh, every Friday oh, in the God, third hour. Oh, going back to this? Okay. And, I'm not mad, man. I, honestly, sometimes so, I just try to understand, and I think I've... I want to apologize to Scott because mm-hmm. um, he picked Al Stewart's Year of the Cat um, at number two in his countdown, going on an eight for test of time. That was earlier this hour with mm-hmm. our Friday Five, um, and that knocked out Stray Cat Strut from the Stray Cats that I thought deserved to be in the five. You know, it's just friendly banter. Right. Um, and so whenever number I Number five. Yeah. Because I really wasn't familiar with this song. You know, growing up. Like the moon and the sea, and she comes and says, God's saying it's an eight for test of time. But you know, so I wanted to do some digging on this Year of the Cat song from Al Stewart. And now I understand the genius behind it. So I apologize, Scott. Um, no, you don't. But no, do you want to hear the story behind this song? Because I'm like, what is Year of the Cat? What is that? And so the story is this because Al Stewart told it once. He said it came about in a strange way. Um, there was a guy that previously played in this other band. They had a keyboard player. His name was Peter Wood. Okay, so he was touring in America. Al was with Peter Wood. No. And he would play this. What? That's not the real. Peter Wood? 
That's the, that's his name. He gets songwriting credit on the song. Was Alan Peter Wood. So Peter Wood would play this riff on the piano. So Al Stewart hears it like 14 times and says, you know, there's something about it. Can I write some lyrics to it? Peter Wood says, yes, have at it. He said that was the easy bit. The difficult bit was writing the lyrics. So he came up with a set of lyrics about this English comedian called Tony Hancock. Tony Hancock, he went to see one time. What? What? It was a Peter Wood and Tony Hancock collaboration of sorts. Yes. And so he, he... wrote a song about Tony Hancock called Foot of the Stage. Well, this comedian ended up committing suicide. And so the American record company said, nobody in America has heard of Hancock. They don't know who he is. So Al Stewart was annoyed and said, well, I'll just piss him off. I'll I'll write about something different. And he wrote a song called Horse of the Year, Mm. okay, Um, that had lyrics to it. Um, But they, they didn't like that either. So he had this girlfriend at the time, and he said it was kind of obscure, but he, she had this book on Vietnamese astrology, and it oh. was open at a chapter called Year of the Cat. Oh, who doesn't? Okay. Okay. And he said, I think the Year of the Rabbit in Chinese astrology is the same as Year of the Cat. But he didn't know much about it, but he just started writing lyrics. And that's how the song came about. And now that I understand the genius of it, I mean... It absolutely deserved to be ahead of Stray Cat Strike. Yeah. Well, it's the way Peter Wood and Mr. Hancock would want it. Absolutely. So my apology. I happen to know that that Here of the Cat also happens to be the all-time favorite song of former pitching coach in Major League Baseball, Dick Pohl. <laughs> See, and there it's where it all comes together. And this is how we argue about the Friday Five every That's day. That's it right there. It's a terrible song. It's not a it terrible song. It is no test of time. It's not a number eight for test of time. Okay. We got to get to another news update coming up in just a few. And Nimrod's in the news. Straight ahead. Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. News update, David Van Camp. Seriously, this, this is this is quite a spin on the woke wheel that I that I've just stumbled across. The Washington Post has an article claiming that because of climate change, online hate speech is getting more prevalent. What? Because How that <laughs> go together. So you know, if, if you if you know any police officers and you, you or you study crime or you've had. You know, you anyway, you know that typically crime goes up in the summer and some of that's because people are out more depending on where where you are. And also because if it's uncomfortably hot, tempers flare a little bit more easily. OK, um, so the summer is usually when, you know, murders spike in the year, things like that. At least that's the that's the standard. Well, in The Washington Post, they say, well, there's a couple of studies who say that it's also fueling. The rise of online hate speech. When temperatures go up, we've seen a 20% increase in offensive tweets. Oh, my god! So, goodness. apparently, climate change is fueling hate speech. 
As the summers get warmer, as this, I'm just quoting here, okay. as the summers get warmer and the number of heat waves increases, researchers fear there will be an increase in online hate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it was the heat in L.A. that caused the city council to say all the racist stuff. Dude, the craziest part about that whole thing. Yeah. So the council president as is actually now resigning from the city council. Because she, well, said a little black kid looked like a little monkey and went yeah, after... couldn't be controlled. Yes. Know, went after black people in general, went after white people in general. She is Hispanic. She's a Latina. And uh, I have seen articles from three major news outlets, the LA Times being one of them, that said that that was symptomatic of white supremacy. No what? joke. How? She had adopted white supremacy. See, here's the thing. And we've noticed this... <laughs> With Hispanic majority districts in South Texas, right, whenever uh, it looks like voters there are, are more and more going to the Republican Party and they say, well, that's, you know, some Hispanics can also be white supremacists. Oh, my God. It's basically if you have brown skin and liberals don't like what you think, you're, just, you're a white person. And apparently the worst thing you can possibly be is a white person. And so unless you're a white liberal, unless you're a white liberal, in which case, then you're still a bad person. But at least you're hashtag doing the work. Got it. Yeah. Okay. My brain hurts. You know what the reality is? We know this. People are people and they're racist people of every race. Yeah. And that's what we saw. This that lady that called the black kid what she did was a defund the police person called Trump a racist against black people, and it says what she said. I mean, you know, total hypocrites. All right, we got to get to Nimrods. Roll it out. When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dan. It's Nimrods in the News on the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I love the poorly educated. All right. Nimrods in the News. Boy, this is from the Who You Judging file. <laughs> How old before you can get a tattoo, you think? A lot of states say 18. 18, yeah. yeah. A few states like Kansas, Florida, 16, but it got to have a parent's permission. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Puberty blockers? Nah. Tattoo? Whoa! Right, right. That's, That's different. lasting consequences. Right. Yeah, puberty blocking by over the counter now. Woman in upstate New York facing charges after she let her 10-year-old get a tattoo on his forearm. It's just his name in block, let, block letters. New York doesn't allow tattoos for minors. Even with parents' consent, she's in a whole lot of wow. trouble. Yes. She's 33 years old, facing charges for endangering the welfare of a child. Gender reassignment perfectly fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Who you judging? And that's Nimrods in the news.